And so today in part six, I want to talk to you about this. God's perspective, God's perspective, um, the perspective that God has of everything going on in our world is very, very different than ours. Um, and if I can be honest with you, the way this sermon came about was last Sunday night or Monday night, I was on Facebook, which already is going to be a bad story just right there. And I started going down this, I saw this guy's post who I, I used to respect and he, he's a leader of a church in another city and he was ranting and raving and just saying negative things about other Americans based on what's going on in the world. And I thought, I can't believe you're saying that. And then somebody posted under his, someone that I know that I used to respect, and they're saying these racial comments. And I thought, I hate racists. And then it went to the next thing, and on and on it goes. And I'm thinking, all these people's posts that I'm reading call themselves Christians. They're all in churches. And I was shocked at what was going on. And then I thought, here's how I'm going to fix it. I'm going to tell them my point of view. And if I, so I started to write. And then I heard the Holy Spirit say, stop. And then I said, I'm going to write anyway. And so I started writing. And before I could hit post, somebody else that I know posted something. And everything they said is what I was thinking. And I thought, you tell them. You let them know. And then I realized this. Here's what's going on. I am deciding to fix the problem of rants and raves on Facebook by ranting and raving on Facebook. That's how I'm gonna fix it. And then I thought, okay, I'm developing hate towards this guy who's a racist, which hate is just as bad as racism. <laughs> then I'm starting to not like this guy who's a Christian. I'm prejudging him and I think I know everything about him from this one post that he put and my whole night was ruined. And do you know, we are the believers in the world. We should have a different perspective than everybody else. Our goal should not be to fight and cause strife. We should be praying and loving and encouraging people. No wonder everyone's looking bad, right? The Christians are the ones doing this. And you know, it's so funny. I've never been into politics and I'll never be into politics. I remember when I first started pastoring in 2007 or 8, and then there was the elections for Obama. I'll never forget people thinking, the world's going to end. How bad is this? We can't believe it. You know what? It wasn't that bad of the eight-year run. And then if you go before that, people thought, I remember people thought Bill Clinton was the Antichrist. I don't know if y'all remember that. I remember growing up and people talking about Bill Clinton's the Antichrist. And then people thought Henry Kissinger was the Antichrist. Remember that? And then Hitler was the Antichrist. And then every generation since the Apostle Paul thought Jesus was coming back and the world was going to end. Listen, if it does end, if you're all right and the world's going to end and the America's going to go to naught and we're all going to burn up, we'll still be in heaven and we'll be okay. Listen, we won't have to pay taxes anymore if that happens. Like, that's a plus right there. So here's the point for today's sermon. Psalms 34.3 says this. Magnify. Everybody say magnify. Magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Every word in the scripture is very, very powerful. Listen real close. When we magnify something... We are not changing the actual size of that object. We are changing our perspective of the size of that object. Do you understand? When you take a magnifying glass out and you magnify something, you're not changing the size of it. You're changing the size of it in your mind and in your heart. So when you magnify Biden, when you magnify Trump, when you magnify Pelosi, when you magnify whatever it is you don't like, understand, they're not getting any bigger, but in your life, they're huge. And now you're living your life based on all these things that you've chosen to magnify, because whatever you magnify controls you. 
Whatever you focus on in life is what you magnify. What you focus on gets bigger and bigger and bigger. That's why the scripture does not say magnify the politicians with me and let us talk bad about them together. It doesn't say that. It says magnify the Lord with me. Here's why. The more you magnify the right things, the bigger those things get in your life. I mean, I am, I am appalled at the Christian community and what we are saying and doing all over social media for the whole world to hear. The only thing we should ever magnify is truth. And listen, I've studied, all, I've studied everything in the whole world. I've read so many books. The only truth you'll ever find is this right here. That's the only truth. So if you're going to magnify anything, mag everything else you magnify is a lie. Um, you know, when someone goes blind, one of the first things they do is they go out to purchase a CNI dog. The CNI dogs are very expensive because they have to be trained since they're puppies. The reason they have to be trained since they're puppies, and it's very difficult to train them, and they're very expensive, is because dogs are used to always looking at what's in front of them. I mean, if you drop a crumb in the house 20 feet away, they'll find that crumb, right? Because it's down there. The difficult part about training CNI dogs is to teach them to look up and see things from the master's perspective. They grow up looking at the ground and the concrete and the grass and crumbs on the floor, but it takes years to train them to see things from the master's perspective. Our goal today for the next 28 minutes is to learn how to see things from our master's perspective. It's not as bad as you think right now in the world. Whatever you look for, you're going to find. If there's something in your heart towards against Trump and you look, you'll find it. If there's something in your heart against Biden, you'll find it. If there's something in your heart about race, you'll find racist if you look for it. But if you look hard enough, you'll find good people. You'll find people that serve God, that can encourage you, that believe the best, and that know God's in control no matter who the president is. Is your life really over because the person you didn't vote for is the president? Really? Is it that bad? If you read the Bible, God's people prospered, not just, not just thrived or survived, not just survived, they thrived even when Pharaoh was in charge. I mean, he's worshiping false gods, bad things are happening, and Joseph still fulfilled his God-given destiny. If you put a person in charge of your God-given destiny, you'll never succeed and do what God's called you to do. If you put the President of the United States as more powerful in your life and more magnified than God, you will stop serving, you'll start get, stop giving, you'll stop forgiving, you'll stop doing what you're called to do as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Stop magnifying POTUS. That's the, uh, that's the President of the United States. It's just quicker and easier to say for me like that. So stop magnifying POTUS. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.18, Fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary. Let me tell you what's temporary, okay? Fox News and CNN is temporary. They're not going to last forever. So if you fill your mind with that, you're filling your mind with lies that are temporary. Only look at what is unseen, what is eternal. Let me tell you what's eternal. Relationships are eternal. The kingdom of God is eternal. Here's what's not eternal. Whoever the president of the United States is, that position is not eternal. It will not last. In fact, I'm gonna, without even being spiritual, it's only going to last four or eight years. You know, and if you look back, I'm sure some of you thought, well, when Bush was president, oh, I'm going to lose money and this isn't going to happen for me. All you're saying is this, God, I can't fulfill my destiny because of this person over here. But if they weren't in my life, then I could do what you're calling me to do. How ignorant is that of us? 
Um, it's, I'll tell you, all of the things in around you that you've been focused, COVID is not eternal. It's not going to last forever. But if you magnify it, I promise you will get the very thing you're magnifying. You will get the fear. It will consume you. It will kill you if you continue to magnify it. Okay, that was just my introduction. We can all leave church and we're done now. Stop it. No, I'm just kidding. Point number one is this. God's perspective of my problems. God's perspective of my problems. Isn't that what we're concerned about is our problems and if our problems are going to be solved in the midst of what's going on around us. Exodus 33 verse 2. The Lord told Moses, you do the natural part. Everybody say natural. You lead the people to the promised land which has milk flowing, milk and honey flowing, and then I will do the supernatural. Everybody say supernatural. God's part is supernatural. He says, I'll send the angel to drive out the giants who live there. So they get to the promised land. And because Moses is a little bit of a procrastinator, Moses says, oh, let's send in some spies just to make sure. Joshua and Caleb said, no, let's go there now. And Moses says, no, let's just check it out. So two million people wait behind the mountain while 12 guys go in there to spy out the land. Everybody say 12. Okay, out of the 12, 10 came back. Hey, here's what the 10 said. Now, before I read it, I just want you to realize the Bible calls these 10 reporters. It says they brought back a report. Reporters report, okay? Here's what the reporters said. Numbers 13, 20. There's 10 of them. They said this. The people who live there are very large. Number 32. We are not strong enough to attack them. They are more powerful than we are. The next guy jumps in in verse 33. We saw giants. And this is the most important part. Watch this. In our own sight. We were in our own sight. In our own sight. We were like insects, grasshoppers compared to them. They were comparing their problems to themselves rather than comparing their problems to their God. And anytime you compare your problems to your natural self, you'll always come out looking like a grasshopper compared to those problems. Because we have an enemy against us. So compare them. In Numbers 14.3, this is four verses later. Did the Lord bring us to America just to kill us and for our wives and children to be captured? We're moving to Canada. That's how bad it got when they kept listening to the reporters. Two million people. Two million people missed out on their divine destiny because they listened to ten reporters. Can you believe that? I'm not going to imagine uh, the morning news. There, there's giants in the land. Then during lunchtime, they get on Facebook. They're more powerful than we are. Then they get home and get the kids home from school and make a snack. And they turn on. And all of a sudden, there's an advertisement. We're going to die and our life is over. By the time they go to bed, they're full of fear full of depression they want to move to Canada and everything's over all because they listened to the wrong voice now there were two more out of the 12 the other two Joshua and Caleb said this in Numbers 14 9 the Lord will bring us into this land and give it to us do not be afraid two million died and let me say this way two million got the very thing they magnified they kept magnifying the death they kept magnifying how small they kept magnifying it's not going to work out they got the very thing they magnified the other two joshua and caleb made it into the promised land they got the very thing they magnified here's the only difference listen out of this whole group listen they all went to the same church they all had the same pastor moses same assistant pastor joshua they all had the same amount of money in the bank they all lived at market common it says that in the message translation. All of them 
came from this. The only difference, the only difference was their perspective. That's the only difference. One group magnified the problem. One group magnified their God. This college student, she wrote her parents a letter and she said, Mom and Dad, I'm sorry, but there was a riot at the school. And from the smoke that I inhaled, I developed a serious lung disease. At the hospital, I met a parking lot attendant and we fell in love. Our baby is due soon. After he gets off probation, I'm planning on dropping out of college and we're going to move to Alaska and live together. Signed, your loving daughter. At the very bottom, there was a PS. It said, none of this happened, but I did fail chemistry. <laughs> Listen, it's not as bad as you think it is. It's really not. It's only bad in your mind, in your soul, because of what you're putting inside of you. When I started learning how to preach uh, you know, years ago, I would listen to old cassette tapes of ministers from the 70s and 80s that I admired. I'll never forget hearing one pastor say this. Um, even if gas prices get to 75 cents a gallon, God will take care of us. <laughs> and I thought, it's gotten way past that. And we're all doing okay, right? Do you know, let me tell you this, and God showed me this, maybe not for you, but for me. But 2020, the only problems I had in 2020 was media. That's the only problems. If I'd never heard the word COVID, nothing negative would have happened in 2020. I called it, yes, and I've had, I have the flu off. You know, I've got the flu. I get sick and kids get sick. We got five kids. Kids always now. That stuff happens. My finances haven't changed. My friendships haven't changed. My salvation hasn't changed. I'm more in love with God now than I was a year ago, and I hope for that to continue. The only bad thing was talking to people about what's going on in the world that I don't even know anything about. The only negative thing was news, media, and people talking about it. Nothing else affected me at all. If there was any fear, anxiety, or worry, it was only from things that didn't even exist in my own soul and life. Crazy. Okay, number two is this. God's perspective of my enemy. God's perspective of my enemy. This is a very important scripture for you Republicans and Democrats, okay? This is the most political I'm ever going to get. Ephesians 6, 12. We do not wrestle against Republicans. We do not wrestle against Democrats. We do not wrestle against black and white. We do not wrestle against American and Iranian. We do not wrestle against South and North. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against husband and wife. That's not the battle. If you got problems in your marriage, the problem is not each other. Listen, ultimately, the foundation of the problem is this. We wrestle against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. The battle is in the spirit realm. Um, I want to teach you what the word principality means. Okay, so for your notes, you might want to write this down. Prince is, prince is a position of authority in a hierarchy. I know you know king and queen and prince and things like that. So prince is a position of hierarchy. Palaty is like a democratic republic. A palaty is actually a group of people, larger people, ruled by people who voted somebody into place. Or they were given authority. In other words, we vote, we have authority to vote. We put someone in a position through our voting and then they rule over the people. That's what a palaty. You've heard the word municipality. Right? Muni meaning many, palaty meaning cities or lots of people, municipality. A principality is a prince in the hierarchy of the demonic realm. 
A principality can also be in the angelic realm as well. But uh, let me let me say it like this. Um, by our lifestyle and our actions, the way we treat people and so forth, we're actually voting in angels and demons in the spirit realm, believe it or not. If you were to study world history and you look at different places all over Earth, different groups of people, different countries and nations, you would easily be able to see which demonic forces Satan has sent where. Um, if you look, at, I'm not going to name any because I don't want to offend y'all, but some countries are incredibly lazy. Incredibly lazy. The whole, no matter, they just produce laziness. They've come from laziness, just lazy. Some groups are always poor, no matter how much money you give them. Some groups are always wanting to fight. There's always war. There's always fighting. They're always angry. Some groups of people, and this has been for thousands of years, some groups of people um, are alcoholics. They're very easily addicted. If you look, I believe the spirit that's over America is greed and pride. Uh, if you ever want to pray against things in America, I believe it's greed and pride. So a principality is a, demo, is a head demon that Satan puts over other demons in a certain area. Okay, I want to read you a story in the Bible to help you not be afraid of any of this. But you'll see what's going on. Daniel 10, 11 says this. Suddenly the angel appeared and said this to Daniel. God has heard your, what's that word? Now let me ask this. If the battle's in the spirit realm, then why are we fighting on Facebook? If the battle's in the spirit realm, why are we hating people that don't have views like us? That's not where the battle is. The battle's in the spirit, and you can't shoot a demon. You can't take a slingshot and hit a demon. How do you deal with things in the spirit realm? You pray. You pray. So Daniel prayed, and the angel said, God heard your prayer since the first day. He sent me to answer your prayer. Verse 13. But the prince of Persia, this is a head demon, the prince of Persia opposed me for 21 days. Then Michael, this is one of God's chief princes, helped me. Verse 18. Then Gabriel said, I shall return to fight. Here's why. The prince of Greece is coming. I mean, there's battles going on all around us. And I love this part. But he said, and Michael, your prince. I can show you in the New Testament where every believer has an angel assigned to them. Your prince. You have a prince. Your children have a prince. Your family has a prince. There's one looking out for you right now. And he said this, your prince stands firmly against these hostile forces. There's bad. If you could open, remember when Elisha prayed for God to open up his servant's eyes and his eyes were open, he saw angels all over the mountain. If you could see where the battle's going on, it's not going on on Facebook. It's not going on in Washington. It's going on in the spirit realm. And as believers... We should be the first ones to be praying and not fighting. That's what we're called to do. Psalms 103, 20 says this. His strong and mighty angels are ready to able to fly as his bidding. Quick to respond to Facebook posts. Is that what it says? Quick to respond to the news. Quick to respond to the gossip at work that tells us everything that's going on. Is that what the angels? No, see, when you're like that, your angels laying down watching TV. Probably watching Touched by an Angel or Highway to Heaven or something like that, you know. Just waiting for you to pray the Word of God. They're sitting and waiting and able to do bidding based on what comes out of your mouth. We have, man, that should be so exciting to y'all. Y'all don't seem like angel. I'm going to ask your angel to wake some of y'all up a little bit today. Okay, so this little boy... Um, he had this bully that lived down the street from him who was always picking on him. 
And he desperately wanted to stand up to this bully. So one day he's trying to get his confidence up. And, you know, he's not going to let this bully hurt him anymore and pick on him anymore. And he's in his front yard just preparing for it. And his dad saw him in the front yard. And the little boy was playing with a telescope. And his dad said, son, son, you're looking in the telescope through the wrong end. You're looking through the big end. You need to turn it around. And the boy said, Dad, I know that, but right now I'm looking at that bully down the street. And when I look at him this way, he's so much smaller than what he really is. Some of y'all need to turn your telescope around. You're magnifying the wrong. You need to see Satan and the enemy in your life a lot smaller than what they're really not as big as you think they are. Now, let me ask you a question, and I don't want you to answer Every time I say that, somebody answers and you feel stupid because you get it wrong. Don't answer. Don't answer. Who? Don't answer. Betty. Who is the head? Who is the head of all principalities and powers and forces? Who is the head over every principality? Who is the head over every angel, every demon, every authority, every force in the spirit realm? Don't answer. I'm going to read you a scripture and help you understand. Colossians 2.10. Christ is the head over all principalities, powers, and authority all over planet earth, the universe. Hey, listen, don't ever, ever, ever put Satan and Jesus on the same level. They are not on the same level. Satan is a um, created being. He's an angel that got kicked out of heaven. He is not as powerful as you think. If you choose to magnify who's over him, you'll never have to worry about Satan in your life. Christ is the head. Um, the great Martin Luther from, from 500 years ago who um, led the Protestant Reformation. That's why we have Christians, basically. Uh, Martin Luther discovered that we're saved by grace, not by works. And the Catholic Church kicked him out. And, and even Jews got upset with him. And so he basically started Lutheran ministry and then went into Christianity. Long story short, Martin Luther was an incredible, incredible theologian. Sometimes he wasn't a nice person. But he was a great theologian. He wrote in his diary where one night he was startled. And he got up in bed and Satan himself, not a demon, Satan himself was standing at the end of his bed. Martin Luther opened up his eyes and saw Satan and said, it's just you. And he rolled over and went back to sleep. That's how we need to see the enemy in our life. When you're a child of God, he has got you covered. Amen. Point number three is this. God's perspective of my needs. God's perspective of my needs. It seems like with everything going on in the world, Christians are so concerned about their needs. Can God supply? Is he going to be able to take care of me? What's going on? How are we going to handle this? Psalms 23, 1 says this. The Lord is my shepherd. The Amplified describes it very intently with the Hebrew language. It says to feed, to guide, and shield me. I shall not lack. Amen. Um. Do you know, if, if he's the shepherd, we're the sheep, and the Bible says that over and over again, do you know how sheep die? Sheep die because they wander away from the rest of the flock and away from the shepherd. Now, I know that COVID has put fear in people and you're worried about that. I'm not asking you to be unwise and I'm not asking you to do anything that's unsafe, but the Bible says we're supposed to meet with the believers every week. 
The Bible says every week, it says to come to church and to encourage one another. If you're too afraid or whatever, or you have health problems and you can't come to one of our main services, come to one of our short groups. There'll be 10 people in the room. You can sit 50 feet away. But if you wander away from the flock long enough, it will produce so much fear and anxiety and depression in your life. And you'll stop doing the very thing you were called to do. Serve, give, forgive, love. All of that will start to dissipate in your life because you've wandered away from the flock. And I don't think anyone does it. And no sheep intentionally wanders away. No sheep says, you know what? I think I'd like to get killed by a wolf today. So I'm going to leave all of y'all and go over here. Here's how the sheep wanders away from the flock. They're so busy looking down at the grass, thinking the grass is their provider. And they don't realize the shepherd is the one that leads them and guides them where they need to go. So they're looking down, they're nibbling at the grass and nibbling at the grass and the grass. And all of a sudden they look up and they realize, oh no, I've wandered away from the flock. And the wolf comes in and becomes easy prey on their life. I mean, if you have to bubble wrap yourself to come to church and put on scuba gear, do whatever you got to do. But get around other believers and encourage them and let them encourage you. That's what church is about. I want to read you some stories from the life of one of my favorite prophets in the Bible. Okay, stick with me because you're going to love it. 1 Kings 17, 3. The Lord told Elijah, go to the brook, for I have commanded the ravens. Everybody say ravens. ravens. Now, contrary to popular football fans, the ravens were not very good in the Bible. I don't know how they are now, but they're not very good in the Bible. Yet God commanded the ravens to bring Elijah food, listen, when he went to the place God called him to go. He could have made an excuse, I don't want to be by the brook. God would say, that's fine, but that's where your provision is. You don't go where I'm sending you, you're not going to have the provision. The provision will be there, you just got to get to that place. In verse 6, the ravens brought Elijah bread and meat every evening and morning. How hard is it to find bread in a famine? Yet God brought him meat and bread in a famine every morning, every night. By, listen, not by a dove, not by a, 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 some kind of a, a bird that represents, not an eagle, you know, a powerful eagle. God used a raven, which was a foul bird. God was saying this, even when your enemy is around, I'll make your enemy provide for you. I'll do whatever it takes to meet your needs if you will let if you will go where I'm calling you to go. A miracle, right? Great provision. Okay, watch this. Verse 17. This woman, the son's woman became sick. He died. Verse 20. Elijah prayed, let this child's life return. The life of the child returned and he revived. Great miracle. God provided healing. So first we see God provided food. God provided healing. This is back to back. Watch this. Verse 17, Elijah had an enemy named Ahab. And Ahab said, you troublemaker. Elijah said, listen, I'll fight you and I'll fight your 450 false prophets who your wife has on payroll. Jezebel was Ahab's wife. Man, Elijah's just full of faith. Amazing, right? God's providing throughout the years of famine. God provided healing when he prayed. Now Elijah's like, you want to fight me? I'll fight you and 450 of your bad guys. And so they all get together. And instead of fighting, Elijah said, let's have a contest. Let's build an altar out of wood. And then we'll both pray to our gods. You pray to your God, I'll pray to mine. Whosoever God produces fire wins. They said, okay, I like that. So they built the altar. Elijah said, you go first. 450 false prophets of Baal dance around the fire. No fire. They start praying and crying. No fire. They start cutting themselves and putting their blood on it. 
no fire. They're worn out. It's so bad, hour after hour, Elijah starts to talk trash to them. In verse 27, he began to talk to them, shout louder to your God. Maybe he's traveling. He wasn't that good at talking trash. It was his first time recording. Your God's so dumb, he sold his car for gas money. You know, something like that. I don't know what he's saying. Nothing happened. So Elijah says, pour water on the wood. Remember, he's trying to catch it on fire. They pour water. He says, do it again. And a third time, they soak it with water. Elijah prays in verse 38. Immediately, the fire of God fell, burned up the altar, dried up every drop of water. And all 450 prophets of Baal were killed. Huge miracle. God's done this and this and this and this. Man, just over and over again. It's unbelievable. So then the prophets of Baal, Jezebel, who's in charge of them, Jezebel gets on Facebook and sends the, you don't believe, I'm going to prove it to you. First, first Kings 19 to Jezebel sent a messenger. To Elijah saying, by this time tomorrow, you'll be as dead as my prophets. Who does she think she's talking to? This guy just had God provide for him in a famine for years. This guy just saw a child be raised from the dead when he prayed. This guy just saw God bring down fire from heaven and kill 450 men. And she's threatening him? Is she out of her mind? In verse 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life and prayed and wished he would die. What? After God did all these things for you, then one message from one crazy woman, one Nancy Pelosi, one Hillary, one Kamala, one ex-wife, one message, and now your whole life's over and you're right and wish you would die? Are you really going to let a woman, a person, <laughs> are you really going to let one person ruin your whole faith in God after everything God's done for you? Do you know what happened to Elijah? He lost his perspective. I mean, he could have magnified all the things God's done in his past, all the years God's brought him through, all the friends God's brought in his life, the healings that he's seen and occurred in his life, all the blessings, the promotions, the love, the children, the grandchildren, the family, all the things he could have magnified. And one message from one woman does him in. Isn't that sad? Wouldn't that be horrible if that's something we did? <laughs> How bad would that be? You can't lose your perspective. I want to just read you a quick story. This Marine, during World War II, he was uh, in the middle of the night in a huge, intense battle. There was so much smoke. The smoke was so thick. The noises were so loud. He became very disoriented, and he lost his unit. He ended up alone in the jungle. And he could hear the enemy soldiers getting closer and closer. 100 yards, 90 yards, 80 yards. He found this ridge filled with caves. So he decided to run in one of them and hide in the back of the cave, hoping he wouldn't be found. He prayed and he asked God, God, please provide your protection over my life. Please somehow spare my life tonight. About that time, he noticed a little spider drop down from the entry of the cave and start to spin a web. 
He said, God, I need a brick wall and you're sending me a spider. For the next 30 minutes, he watched that spider spin layer after layer of that web as quick as he could go. He heard the enemy soldiers getting closer and closer. They were checking in each and every cave. When they got to his cave, he braced himself for his final stand. Knife in one hand, gun in the other. This was the last night of his life on earth. But one of the soldiers noticed the spider web over the entry of the cave. He said, we don't need to check in here. No one could have gone in this cave without disturbing this web. And they passed him by. Later, he asked God to forgive him. He said, God, when I saw that spider, I was so discouraged. But with you, you can provide a web stronger than a brick wall. Listen, God sees your needs. Don't let your faith be put in the wrong place. We don't trust in horses or chariots or gold or mankind. We trust in the one true living God. Matthew 6, 31 says this. Do not worry about your food, drink, or clothes. Your Father knows what you need. Instead, now instead, here's the important part. Be concerned with the kingdom of God and He will provide all of your needs. Amen. 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 Our part is to be concerned with the kingdom of God.